Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'm glad I'm not like them? Have you ever thought that? I kind of think that's pretty much the whole premise to America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Like, man, I'm glad I'm not like them. You know, somebody getting caught on video, just doing normal things of life that turn out awful and horrible, um, or getting caught on camera doing something silly or stupid or dangerous, and the result is them always hurting their pride, always, and sometimes being physically hurt as well. But what about other times in your life? Have you ever thought or said, I am glad I'm not like them? And that can be a natural reaction when we see others experiencing something difficult in their lives or doing something wrong that will certainly bring hardship or heartache. And sometimes we think that way out of a deep sense of thankfulness. Man, I'm glad I'm not like them. But other times, it comes from someplace else, a sense of superiority, a sense of pride. Leo Tolstoy, the great novelist, whose novels like War and Peace and Anna Karenina have a moral force to them that some would say is unmatched. But historian Paul Johnson, I don't believe it's this Paul Johnson, I did not check to make sure, but... Historian Paul Johnson, writing to explain how Tolstoy thought of his own moral character, quotes him. Tolstoy says, I read a work on the literary characterization of genius today, and this awoke in me the conviction that I am a remarkable man, both as regards capacity and eagerness to work. I have not yet met a single man who was morally as good as I. These are his own words, by the way. I do not remember an instance in my life when I was not attracted to what is good and was not ready to sacrifice anything to it. Now, most of us wouldn't be quite as forthright as Tolstoy. But if we're honest, most of us at one time or another have felt a moral superiority to someone else. And in today's parable, Jesus tells that Jesus tells he gets to the heart of the matter and how the posture of our hearts reveals what we truly understand about who we are and who God is. So let's read Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who, uh, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your word made flesh in Jesus, your word given to us in the Bible. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, may we be transformed and conformed to your word, the living word, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So to kind of reorient us to where we are, two weeks ago we looked at the parable of the persistent widow, right? A woman who was not receiving the justice that she deserved and kept going to the unrighteous judge asking him to intercede. And he finally relents, and even though he doesn't care what people think or fears God, his own words... Jesus uses this as an opposite reality of who our Heavenly Father is. Jesus is saying is, even if even an unrighteous judge will listen, someone who doesn't care what other people think, who does not fear God, how much more will your Heavenly Father, who loves you, listen and act on your behalf? And the question that we were confronted with from that text was, does God hear us, and will He act? We saw that our God, who is gracious and merciful, hears us and will act on our behalf. And last week, we were supposed to be in the text that we're in this morning, but we skipped it to coincide with our week of VBS, and we heard what Jesus had to say about letting little children come to Him. And the question from the text was, are we like little children. No matter where we are in our lives, no matter how old we are, are we like little children? We saw that Jesus welcomes those who are like little children. We looked at what being like a child is and how Jesus was teaching us and what it means to receive like a child, what Jesus gives us. This morning's parable is, as I said, sandwiched in between the two and continues the theme of prayer from the previous parable about the persistent widow, but also sets up what Jesus teaches us in, the, in welcoming the little children from last week. Those who can do nothing or offer anything are welcomed. Those who know they are needy are those who enter the kingdom of God. And in our text, Jesus gives us a window into our hearts to help us to know, are we in fact those who are needy? Are we in fact those who understand ourselves to be like little children? Are we those who understand the humility that is to be ours? Do we understand what it means to come to Jesus? He gives us a window into our hearts. He shows us how we can assess whose strength, whose righteousness, whose goodness we are relying on, our own or His. So the question that we're confronted with in our text is, do you trust in yourself for righteousness? Right? That's what, how the text begins, right? Luke actually sets it up and tells us what question we need to be asking ourselves. 
He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Right from the beginning, we are confronted with what this parable is to show us, to help us understand. Do you trust in yourself for righteousness? You trust in yourself for goodness. Do you trust in yourself for your own salvation? And the main point that we have in our text today is Jesus is merciful to those who know they are not righteous. Jesus is merciful to those who know they are not righteous. And we're just going to look at the two characters in the parable. It's how Jesus tells us. It's what he wants us to look at. But Jesus is merciful to those who know they are not righteous. First, we have the Pharisee, right? He says there are two men, right? A Pharisee and a tax collector. And then he describes the Pharisee first. The, the Pharisee in our text, though, you know, we're kind of, I think, and I've mentioned this before, we're, we're kind of uh, clouded in terms of how we view the Pharisees, right? Because especially if you've grown up in the church, um, you've heard all the stories about Jesus and the Gospels, and you begin to have this idea that the Pharisees are the bad guys, right? They're the ones that don't like Jesus. They're the ones that don't see him as the true Messiah. They're the ones that are trying to catch him and, you know, and to show that he's not truly who he says he is. They're the ones who ultimately... Uh, along with the scribes and the, fer- uh, the scribes and the teachers, um, the priests conspire against him. But you have to understand that when Jesus is telling these parables, and the Pharisees are in them, the Pharisees would be the good guy, <laughs> right? The tax collector is the bad guy in the story. The Pharisee is the good guy in the social cultural context. Pharisees had earned a reputation, as the early historian Josephus says, a body of Jews known for surpassing the others in the observance of piety and exact interpretation of the laws. They were a highly esteemed group in Jewish society, right? People knew that no Pharisee would ever sell his people out like the tax collectors, You could count on a Pharisee to love the law and attempt to uphold it. They were the good citizens. (laughs) They were the ones that you were to look up to and, and strive to emulate in your life. The tax collector was a turncoat. The tax collector was a sinner above most, if not all, sinners. Tax collector had committed treason against his people. Everybody hated tax collectors. And so when Jesus tells these parables and he brings in the Pharisees, or he brings in 
the Levites or the priest in the parable of the Good Samaritan, when he brings in these people, they are supposed to be the heroes of the story, <laughs> the good guys. And the Samaritan and the tax collector and everybody else who are the sinners, the prodigal son, they are the ones that are supposed to be the bad guys in the story. And so to read the parable properly, as with all of Jesus' parables, we must understand that as he's telling this parable, we have to see it through first century Jewish eyes to have a positive view of the Pharisee. He was the good guy. And we have to have a negative view of the tax collector, the crook, And so as Jesus is telling this parable and he says a Pharisee went into the temple to pray, everyone who's listening says, of course, this is what Pharisees do. And of course he would go and stand by himself. He would stand by himself, which commentators speculate is meaning that he would go in the court of of Israel, the, the, the inner court where only Israelite or true Israelites were allowed not the court of the Gentiles, which is outside, but the, not the Holy of Holies, but outside of the Holy of Holies, that he, by standing by himself, meaning that he would have gone as far up to the Holy of Holies that anyone would dare to go. And everyone would see this as being right and fine. And that he would pray out loud because you prayed out loud at the temple. And at the temple, even how he begins his prayer, God, I thank you that I am not like these others, similar to how we might at some po- sometimes think of ourselves as, and others and think just, I'm thankful that I'm not experiencing life the way that some other people have experienced it. And so up until this point in the, in the prayer, the average person would be thinking, okay, this is right and normal and good. God, thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. His posture would be one that would have been normal. And yet, Jesus begins to pull back the curtain, so to speak, and points out to show us that his outward posture shows us the inward posture of his heart. Because look at how quickly the prayer moves from God to himself. Right? God, I thank you. That is an appropriate way to start a prayer. God, I thank you. And even to say, as I said, that I am not experiencing the sin of these other kinds of people. But it moves quickly from that to himself, that he needs nothing from God. Right? He makes no requests of God He offers no honor to God. 
This religious man has done it all, right? I thank you. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. It becomes a thanksgiving to himself, about himself, right? I like myself. Look at myself. I like myself and how good myself is. As one commentator put it, after reading his prayer, we wonder whether God should apply to be his assistant. (laughs) I think many professing Christians today make the same error as the self-righteous Pharisee. Right? We thank God that we're not living sinful lives, and in a sense, that prayer is good because we're thanking God that His grace has in some way changed our lives, but it can easily move from that to regarding the life that we live as our own accomplishment, our own discipline and effort. We can make the grace of God into personal accomplishment, right? In the words of Jesus, we become confident of our own righteousness and look down on everybody else or literally utterly despise the rest or treated others with contempt, as, our, as the ESV says. Right? We begin to believe our own press. Right? We begin to trust in our own abilities rather than trusting in God alone. And when we begin to do that, it becomes easy to regard other people with contempt and disrespect rather than seeing them as created equal in the image of God and needing the same grace and mercy that we need in our lives. Right? It becomes this life of comparison. Right, as the Pharisee compared himself to the tax collector, right, we begin to see our lives as a comparison of others. Well, I'm not that bad. Well, I don't do what they do, right? You know, the big one is like, well, I'm not Hitler, right? I mean, we, we, go, we go to that one, but it's not so much even subtler than that. Anything that makes us believe that God is not needed, right? A life that finds security in comparison is diluted. It's utterly unbiblical. It's outside of what Jesus teaching here and what The Apostle Paul says that he concluded about himself while contemplating God's saving grace in Romans 7, 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. And yet, Paul understands it is by God's grace and mercy that he has life, that he does anything good. 
And so the Pharisee, Jesus uses to reveal to us what it looks like to rely on our own righteousness. And then he uses the tax collector, a sinner among sinners, the one who is despised by all of Israel. And the, fair, and the tax collector prays, God, be merciful to me. The verb be merciful is literally be propitiated or let your anger be removed. Let your wrath be taken from me, O God. Right? He's seeking forgiveness and recognizes that he does not deserve it. Right? He agrees with how the rest of society views him. In our, our translation in the ESV, in many English translations, they say, A sinner gave the heinous sins of David, he would forgive his treacherous sins too. And the irony here is, of course, that the one who goes down to his home justified isn't the one who we thought at the beginning of the parable was the one who is justified. It is the tax collector and not the Pharisee. It boils down to a simple matter of who you trust for salvation. Either yourself as the Pharisee who exalts himself as the means of his own redemption because he trusts in himself that he is righteous, that he has done it all. He has paid the full price. Or in God and the atoning sacrifice he has provided as a tax collector does. Many commentators believe that when Jesus says that this parable, two men went to the temple to pray, that there were two public hours of prayer, both during the sacrifice, the morning or evening sacrifice. And the juxtaposition here is as the lamb is being sacrificed, the Pharisee is saying, I don't need <laughs> that sacrifice for my sin. And yet, the tax collector, at the hour the sacrifice is being made, understands the reality that is only that sacrifice that points to the sacrifice of Jesus, that he has any hope that God will be merciful towards him. The parable is a penetrating one. Jesus says that the spiritual posture with which we pray in our heart of hearts reveals where we believe the source of righteousness comes from, ourselves or from God. Though the unrighteous heart may never say it publicly, 
Its prayers reveal to God that it is really depending upon itself for eternal life. Though lip service may be given to humility and repentance, they ultimately aren't real. In contrast, the righteous heart, even a heart that is wrestling with the sin as the sinner, is a heart that whether we just whether it was just made righteous or has been justified for decades upon decades, that heart says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. The righteous heart knows that the only hope is in the blood and mercy of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this parable. This parable that reminds us that it is by your grace and mercy alone that we come to you. It is by your atoning sacrifice of your son Jesus that we have hope, that we have life, that we are made right with you and with others. Lord God, we pray that you would give us soft and tender hearts. Lord, that we would indeed use this prescription that you've given us to take stock, to take heed of our hearts. Lord, to come to you daily hourly, minute by minute, God, be merciful to me. I need you. It's the only way. Kill my self-justification that I might be only justified in you, in you alone. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.